All right, what's up, y'all? How we doing? Good, good, good. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, let me see them in the your. Let me see them. Let me see them right here. Okay. We're going to dive into this book right here in Exodus chapter 13, where we're going to watch this play out. What we just saw in video format, we're going we're gonna to read it right here in the text. Because okay? I, I want you, when you go home, as you bring this book with you, to know that you don't, you don't need a place like Hume Lake Christian Camps to, to know God's story. And I love that we can come up here and we can watch it play out like this and we can gather together in community and we can sing songs of worship, but I want us to come back to the text to understand where do we get this from, right? This, this isn't as creative as Hume is. They're, they're not making this story up, right? This is a story that they're, they're pulling straight out of the text and I want us to dive into it, Exodus chapter 13, okay? God bless you, my child. Um, and before we dive in, y'all, I wanna prove to you that, uh, you know this daughter, Piper, I've been telling you all about? that she's real, okay? My wife texted me this photo today. She texted me two photos. Um, check this first one out. So this is Piper in all of her glory, covered in head to toe in mud, of course, right? And then uh, this is her all cleaned up uh, with an outfit change a little bit later. This is, <laughs> she'll literally like, we're, we were FaceTiming today and I said, Piper, do squinty face. And this is, this is her squinty face that she just, Goes all throughout all of life doing squinty face. So that's my daughter. She's amazing. And all of, next time you'll meet her. I'll bring her up next time. Okay, we'll, we'll all be able to hang out. Okay, so Exodus chapter 13. Well, I love the line that we just saw in this uh, dramatization that said, our God is not a distant deliverer, but a present and faithful companion. Right, I, I had this thought as, as Isaac was leading us in worship, right? Which, are you guys enjoying worship with Isaac and the band? They're awesome. They're awesome. Such a rad band. And I had this, I had this thought that as we were singing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. And as we were singing this song, I was, I was struck by the fact that, that many of you are singing that song tonight in chapel for the first time, truly understanding the lyrics of that song, right? St standing here. Yeah, heck yeah. And, and going, as his son, as his daughter, with, with my sin paid for on the cross, some of you surrendered your life for the first time last night, and then a lot of you, it, it was kind of a course correction last night, a moment of repentance. And remember, that's, that's just a big churchy word that its literal meaning means to change your mind, that you're, you're walking in a cer cer certain direction and you need to change your mind. You need to come back on course and say, God, I, I want to walk with you. I understand who you are and what you did on my behalf. And my response to that is a life of repentance, of coming back. Right? And I promise you, that's, that's not going to be a one-time thing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But that's going to be something that's present in your life in, in the upcoming weeks and the upcoming months. If you ask your, your counselors, your leaders, right, what does repentance look like in, you, in their life? I promise you there are moments on a daily basis or maybe on a weekly basis with their, with their spouses, with their families, at their workplaces where they practice repentance. It's a part of being a follower of Jesus. Okay, but here in Exodus 13, we're going to see God present with his people, that he's not just going to rescue them out of the land of Egypt, that he's then going to go with them. Remember, God is not a distant deliverer. He's a present and faithful companion. So Exodus 13, verse 22, read with me. It says this. Uh, let's start in verse 20. 
After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in the pillar of cloud to guide them in their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by either day or night. Verse 22, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And remember, friends, finish this sentence for me. The Bible is not just a story about what happened. The Bible is a story about what happens. Good. Okay. Which means that if God, with his people in the nation of Israel, if he was a present and faithful companion then, it means that he is a present and faithful companion today. How he dealt with people back then is how he deals with people today. And he's not just a distant deliverer that says, I will send my son Jesus to die on the cross to be the sin sacrifice and resurrect from the grave to prove that he can make dead things alive and then just take off. No, here in Exodus 13, right, we're we're getting the context for who he is and his character, that he is this present and faithful companion. I, I love this part. Read on with me. In uh, chapter 14, verse 10, right, we just saw this play out behind us where, where Pharaoh kind of changes his mind about releasing the people and he chases after them. Remember that? Remember we just saw it happen? Pharaoh goes, what have I done? I just released my entire workforce. And then he says, the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and that he gathers his army and he chases after the, the nation of Israel. And in chapter 14, verse 10, it says this, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Right, do you see how quickly their tune changed? They went from like, Oh, deliverer, right? Like singing a song and going, wow, like we are now free from slavery for hundreds of years. They've been like whipping us and we've we've been forced to work. And then all of a sudden, in a moment of fear, in a moment of panic, when things didn't make sense, they look at God and they go, what is happening? Why did you bring us out here just to die? It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. Their emotions are betraying the truth of reality. And in verse 12 of chapter 14, it says, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answers the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And get this last part, you need only to be still. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell these Israelites to move. Right, this, is, this is a moment in my Bible. I like to write these moments down. Like I like to underline and take notes in my Bible. It's, I, I love these moments where I just get to write LOL in my Bible. Okay? And I do this quite often, friends. If you can't find humor in the Bible, it's because you're not reading it correctly. Like in, the, in this moment, like this is a beautiful moment, right? The nation of Israel goes, Moses! Why did you bring us out here to die? And Moses is like, calm down, calm down, right? Like, just be still. God's going to deliver us, right? And God's like, what are you doing? Move. <laughs> like, God, God sees that there's an Egyptian army. And he goes, I have a plan, but you got to move. And Moses is like, just be still. God's like, mm-mm. <laughs> like, swords, chariots, move. And we see God deliver his people 
right here in, in chapter 15, it says that tell them to move, uh, chapter 14, verse 16, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over to the sea and divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on the dry ground. I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that it will go in after them and I will, I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army. Though the chariots and his horsemen, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord and that I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. See, friends, we're gonna see here a crystal clear picture of God not being a distant deliverer. He doesn't just release them from Egypt and then say, go on your way. Now that he's present in a, in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and then even in the midst of panic, even in the midst of fear, even when, they've been, when, they've, when they're doubting, right? which I can promise you this. Friends, look at me real quick. I can promise you this. Whether you came up on this hill to this camp already having surrendered your life to Jesus and you're walking with him and this is an awesome week to remember truth and to lean in and to build relationships, maybe to a, a mark of repentance, a bookmark in your life of when you decided, man, there's something I need to give up or there's, there's a course correction. Whether that's true of your life or maybe th this is the very first time you've ever surrendered your life to Jesus, I can promise you this, when you go down this mountain, there's gonna be moments where the going gets tough. There's gonna to be moments where, where maybe fear and panic are gonna strike, where you're gonna have doubts of whether or not the God that you experienced at Hume, if he's, if he's actually who you thought he was. And I want us to know and I need us to remember that our God is not a distant deliverer. He's a present and faithful companion. In, in the video, uh, when Jairo was having the conversation with Mose, he was talking about constructing a place for him to live. And here later in Exodus, we're, we're gonna see actually God uh, give his people something called the tabernacle. And it's gonna be this place where God dwells and where the people of Israel, they come to meet with God. And in the midst of their doubts and their fears and their worries and, and their struggles and their wrestle with who God is, they can always draw back and come back to the tabernacle. But again, Remember last night when we talked about foreshadowing? Yeah. We talked about the, the, this moment that says like something is coming. Again, this is a, another example of the Old Testament being foreshadowing. In John chapter one, verse 14, it says this. John chapter one, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and he tabernacled among us. Literal translation. It says the word became flesh and he tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. John chapter one, when it's talking about the word, it's talking about who? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, let me just give you a little like fun fact about any church or chapel or anything you go in. If you're like nodding off and the preacher guy up front asks a question and you just wake up and you're like, what? Jesus. Right, you're gonna be right like 98% of the time, okay? So the word becomes flesh and tabernacles among his people. God sends Jesus to be the ultimate deliverer for his people, right? Why do we need a deliverer? This is what we talked about last night. Remember, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The wages of that sin is death. And so we all sit here having the payment of death and the penalty of death on us going, we need a deliverer. And Romans 5 says at just the right time, God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Remember 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become right with God. And then if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that, that God raised him from the dead and that he is Lord, we will be saved. Right? This is why Jesus came in the first place to deliver us. But the question then begs itself, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? How do we step forward? How do we live out this life? Is salvation just like a, a, a once upon a time thing that you did at camp and then someday you get into heaven? Or is there more than that? Is there a mental, is there a map on how we're supposed to live out this life? And this is where it comes in. The same God that was present with the nation of Israel is present with us today. And let me give you a hint. He doesn't live at Hume Lake Christian Camps. And he doesn't live in Santa Barbara, although you might think he does. He definitely doesn't live in Bakersfield. No, I'm just kidding, okay? He does, he does, okay? And in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that God dwells among us in the person of Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 3 says this, okay? Don't you love it when the Bible makes things like crystal clear? There's plenty of things that are they're fuzzy and gray and, and that, like, there have been theologians that have given their entire lives on studying and asking hard questions, but then sometimes the Bible just makes itself so crystal clear. And John chapter 17, verse three is one of these moments. John 17, three says this. It says, this is eternal life, that we may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. This is eternal life. The Bible defines it for us. It's not a someday thing, friends. It's not a down the road, gonna happen someday. For many of you last night that stood up and surrendered your life to Jesus, guess what? Eternal life started today. You wanna know why? Because it's knowing Jesus. That's what eternity is about. It's about knowing and a deep relationship with Jesus, the author and creator of life. And then do you ever read those verses that you read and you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, yes, good, good. And then you go, wait, huh? Has that ever happened to you? Because it happens to me all the time. Right? I'll read like a verse or I'll open up my Bible and I'm like, mm, that's good, yes. Wait, what? Huh? I don't get that one. And this, this, one, this one trips me up, friends. Like this is one of those verses that I go, wait. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his guys. Hey, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, it's, it's these awesome chapters where the, G, John's done telling the story of, of Jesus and his life and his ministry, and he just zooms in on one night. He takes a bunch of chapters to just talk about one night that Jesus spent with his guys. And in John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his guys, and he says this, he says, it's better for you that I go away because I'm going to send you an advocate. And when I first read that verse, I went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, wait, huh, what? Because here's why, right? Like, y'all have some awesome teachers, like, even here, right? Like, y'all got some sweet, like, I've met a lot of them. I've got to hang out with them. Like, you guys have some sweet teachers. But if you got home next week and there was posted, like, on your school 
do you guys have like a, like a board or something that says like this week this is what's gonna happen or like maybe like a digital version of it or something rather, email? An Instagram perhaps that your school has? Okay, wherever your school like gives out information, imagine this, imagine they say, um, or like is there, is there still intercoms, is that a thing? Like does, it, like does a voice come out over and it's like, oh, today during third period, does that still happen? Yeah, no, for some of you, okay. I want you to imagine this. You get home and you find out next week that Jesus of Nazareth is coming to teach a class that week, okay? I don't, I don't care how cool your teacher is, I don't care how much you like your teacher, I don't care how awesome they are, I don't care how good of a teacher they are, like that's a class you're not gonna wanna miss, right? Like you're not gonna go like, mm, feeling kind of sick today. I was at camp last week and kind of tired. Like, if Jesus showed up at your school, friends, if Jesus showed up at my church and they were like, hey, guest teacher this weekend, Jesus is going to be teaching, I would have so many questions for him. Like, I would just be like, hey, can we grab lunch after, like, in and out maybe, me and you? Like, can we just, can we just hang out face to face? Doesn't that seem like it would be better? Doesn't it seem like it'd be better if you could sit down physically face to face with Jesus? And yet the Bible says in John chapter 16 that Jesus made a very clear statement, it's better for you, followers of mine, it's better for you that I go away. Why? So that I can send you an advocate. See, this, friends, is what's promised to every person who has surrendered their life to Jesus that has bowed the knee and handed over the steering wheel of their life to, the, to Jesus, saying, I, I surrender my life to you as Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. My life is yours. Scripture says that it, we are promised the Holy Spirit. That is now God tabernacling, dwelling, living inside of each one of us as a believer, as a follower of his. And this is the coolest part. You wanna know why it's better that Jesus went away and sent us the Holy Spirit? Because we, as we're gathered here in Hume Lake Christian camps, right, the 400 and something of us that are in this chapel, that God can be present with us here. But then you know what's also awesome? I grew up in Ecuador, and my friends that are still there in Ecuador that are attending church and, and worshiping and opening up their Bibles, that God is present with them there. And as I got to sit with my friend Jamie, who's from Madagascar, and I got to talk with him and hang out with him, and he's telling me about being a missionary kid over in Madagascar, as they open up their Bibles there, and as they gather, and as they worship, God is present there as well. And he's present in South Africa, and China, and Russia, and all over the U.S. As, as believers gather together and open up his word, that God is not a distant deliverer. He's not a God that just set the world into motion, stepped back, and then was like, well, I guess we'll just see what happens. No, he's a present and faithful companion, and in the midst of your doubts, friends, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of the anxiety, in the, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the depression, and the hardship within your family, and when things don't make sense, 
the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, the God that always has been and always will be, he wants to walk through those moments with you. But friends, let me, let me share with you a, a kind of a scary reality. Hey, Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says this. It says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the spirit to keep you from doing what you want to do. See, from now until you see Jesus in eternity, after you die, there will be this wrestle, this battle that goes on between what comes naturally to you in your flesh and the spirit that now dwells within the spirit of God. There's gonna be this battle that goes on, right? It's when your sibling, like, open hand smacks you, and the first thing you wanna do is you're just like, your gut instinct is like, like it's what you, it's what comes naturally to you, right? It's like, it's when maybe one of your, like, leaders that drove you up to camp and they get cut off on the freeway, it's like, it's what they first, their first response is, it's like, it's the motion that they wanna make, right? It's like the finger that they wanna, Thumbs down, right, is what I was going for. Jeez. Let me just give you a free, like this is a free tip. When you start driving and somebody cuts you off or does something stupid on the road, just give them a thumbs down, okay? If you give somebody a thumbs down, no one in the history of mankind has ever been given a thumbs down and then gotten angry for it. Like when somebody gives me a thumbs down, I'm like, you're right. Like that was, that was my bad, okay? Thumbs down. But friends, when... When you're, like, your natural gut response to things, left on autopilot, what you want to do, this is your flesh. And Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says that there's going to be this wrestle. It's this battle. It's as if you're, you're in this chariot and there's two horses pulling this chariot and one of them is this spirit. One of them is this, like, it's what you surrendered to this week at camp. It's what, when you dive into the Bible and you read the way of Jesus, you're going, this is how I want to live. And then the other horse, it's like this flesh that's pulling in the opposite direction and there's this wrestle that goes on between the two. And I love that we're at OE because we get to learn yeah, have y'all done anything with like uh, compasses this week by chance? Cool, yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> have anybody ever used a compass before? Okay, where are my like skaters, surfers, snowboarders, wakeboarders, anything with a board? Okay, cool. If I do this, what is this called? A 180, okay? If I do this, you're going to try not to hurt myself here, okay? 360. 360, okay. And if I do this, no, I'm just kidding. That's all I can do. 360 is my max. Okay, so 180 is halfway around. 360 is all the way around, right? These are degrees, okay? There's, there's, a, there's a fascinating truth about degrees. Hey, if I were to say, if I were to bring one of you up here and I would say, hey, I want you to travel to a destination, okay, and, and I was gonna drop like a, a, a red flag at that destination, and if I were to put a, a flag at a destination and then I were just to alter it, if I were just to alter your course by one degree, here's what would happen, okay, at different distances. Number one, if I were to go, okay, 100 yards out, and I would say, okay, I want you to travel to the red flag, 
and you were to travel 100 yards, the length of a football field, but then I just set you off course by one degree, you would miss that red flag by five feet. Not that big of a deal, right? It's like almost as tall as Izzy, okay? Like you would miss it by, like Izzy lays down plus a little bit, like that's how much you would miss the red flag by, okay? But if, but if I were to, you know, okay, okay, come back, come back, and you would run all the way back from the 100 yards, and I would say, okay, now I want you to travel to the red flag, but I put it a mile out. And then I just set you off course by one degree. And then you started walking, and you walked a mile off course by one degree. You would miss the red flag by 92 feet. Okay, again, you go, there it is, 92 feet off, not too bad. Hey, okay, let's zoom this out a little bit. If I were to put the red flag in San Diego, where I'm from, okay? And I, we started here at Hume Lake Christian Camps and we just, we just traveled 386 miles down to San Diego. You would miss that red flag by six miles. And you'd have to go, there it is, six miles away, okay? If we were to start here at Hume and go all the way around the world and then come back to Hume, Okay, so I set a red flag here and I went, you have to go all the way around the entire world and then come back to Hume. You would miss Hume by 435 miles and end up just south of Tijuana. Okay, if you were to be at Hume and I, I took the red flag and I put it on the moon and I got you in a rocket ship and I said, Elon Musk, let me borrow his. Okay, and I just put you in his rocket ship and I set you off course by one degree, and you took off going to the moon. Friends, you would miss the moon by 4,169 miles. You would miss the moon entirely. You wouldn't even hit it. Okay, here's my point. Here's my point, don't miss this. One degree matters. One degree matters. If you leave this place, if you leave Hume Lake Christian Camps, and in this next week, you make little compromises, and you just go, I know we read our Bible every day up at Hume, and I know we spent time in worship through music, and I know we were in community, but like, and you just made a, like a little baby compromise, and you just went, well, it's not that big of a deal, it's not that big of a decision. You know what's gonna happen in one week? Not much. Not much, if I'm being honest with you. You're gonna have a really rad week at camp. You're gonna go home, you're gonna make baby compromises. Maybe, maybe you don't read your Bible, maybe you don't spend time in worship, maybe you don't get plugged into a youth group. In one week, not that much is gonna change. In a month, maybe a little bit. Maybe small differences. But friends, if you zoom out a year, five years, 10 years, who you want to be as an adult, as a husband, as a wife, as somebody in the workplace, 10 years down the road, the decisions that you're making now matter. And I think when we're in fifth grade, in sixth grade, in seventh grade, in eighth grade, it, sometimes we go, well, it doesn't really matter now. But I promise you, the man or woman that you will be someday is being impacted by the decisions of the 
10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old version of you today. And so what do we do about this? Let me challenge you and let me encourage you with one thing. Hey, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another in Proverbs 27, 17. Hey, the leaders in this room, hey, let me tell you a little fact about them. Hey, your counselors, your leaders, fun fact. They're not here because they need more 12-year-old friends. Okay? Stay with me. They're not here, friends, because they looked up and they asked the question, man, what am, what am I doing this week? I really just, I really just like need some more like 11-year-olds in my life. That's not why they're here. Friends, your counselors are here. I told you this last night, but your counselors are here because the same Jesus that we've been talking about all week they know him, they've met him, and he has changed everything about their life. And the reason I'm bringing this up on Wednesday is because we still have the rest of Wednesday, all day Thursday, and then Friday morning, and then the entire bus ride home. Friends, don't miss the opportunity that you have to lean into a conversation with one of them. Nothing would make them more stoked than if you went up to him and went, hey, tomorrow, do you think we could just like, grab a milkshake and just hang out. I just have some questions. I have some doubts. I have some fears. Like I have some things in the Bible that I just want to pick your brain on. I want to ask you a little bit about your life. How did you come to know Jesus? I promise you, your leaders would all go, yeah, <laughs> please. Like, can we, can we please have that conversation? If nothing else, make sure you don't leave this place without looking in the eyes and going, hey, thanks for being here this week. Like, thanks for taking a week away from family and away from work and away from normalcy and away from a, a, a bed that isn't surrounded by a bunch of other, like, stinky junior hires. <laughs> Friends, one degree matters. If one degree matters in a journey around the world back to Hume, I promise you one degree matters over the next year, over the next five years, over the next 10 years. And the God of Israel that we're watching in this movie and that we're reading in this book and the God that sent Jesus and the God that is present and faithful wants to walk with you every step along the way. So what do you do when you're one degree off? It's what we talked about last night. Friends, this is repentance. It's course correction. When you find yourself next week one degree off, when you find yourself three months from now one degree off, it's the course correction or five degrees off or 10 degrees off or perpendicular and you're walking the opposite direction, right? When you find yourself doing that, the God of the Bible wants to dwell with you. He's your companion. He's waiting for you to come home, course correct and walk with him along the way. Why? Because he's not a distant deliverer. He's a present and faithful companion. Pray with me. God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for the reality that you walk with us, that you dwell with us, that you're not a distant God. God that we don't have to go home and count down the days that we can come back to Hume. 
It's because this is the place that we experience you. God, I ask boldly that the fifth graders, the sixth graders, the seventh graders, and the eighth graders in this room, God, that as they go home, that they would continue to walk with you and experience you in a way that they never have before. That they would commit to opening up your word, not to check a box, not to be a good Christian, but would they open up your word, God, to understand more of who you are and your character, because the more that we understand who you are, God, I believe wholeheartedly the more that we will desire to know you and the more that we'll desire to walk with you. God, may we walk with you so that we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. May we win that battle daily because we're walking with you at our side. We love you. So Jesus, let me pray.